And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians and chapter number 8. The book of 2 Corinthians and chapter number 8. One of the things that we here at the Riverview Baptist Church believe on is the inerrancy of scripture we believe that this is not a a bible that's a mythology or a group of stories we believe that this is history and we believe that this is God's word to us to guide us to direct us and in the new testament it shows how to run and operate a new testament church what are we supposed to do how what are the things that are involved with it Now, as we've been talking uh, in the last couple weeks, talking about the vision of God's work, that God has given us as the church one job to do. And that job is the Great Commission, to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. What is the gospel? It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And God just doesn't want us to do it here. He wants us to do it everywhere, the Bible says. There's no place to stop. And so God has is a wise God, an amazing God, and he's already explained how he wants it done, how to finance it, how to get things going, but he wants us to be involved not only with reaching people, men and women, boys and girls, with the gospel of Jesus Christ here in this Wisconsin area, but he wants us to reach it throughout the entire world. Now, if you wouldn't mind, let's take our copy of the Word of God and look with me in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, notice with me, starting at verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting at verse 1, the Bible says this, Moreover, brethren, we do to you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power... I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and all diligence and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove your sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he were rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, and though he, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. For I mean not that another man be eased and you be burdened, but by an equality 
that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there be equality. As it is written, he that hath gathered much hath gathered over, and he that hath gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. For indeed he accepted the exhortation, but being more forward of his own accord, he went unto you. And we have sent him with the brother, whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches, that not only, but whom was also chosen of the churches to travel with us by this grace, which is administered to us to the same glory, uh, or to the glory of the same Lord and declaration of your ready mind. Avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance, which is administered by us, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. And we have sent with them our brother, whom we have oft times proved diligently in many things, but now much more diligent upon the great confidence which I have in you. Whether any do inquire of Titus, he is my partner and fellow helper concerning you, or our brethren be inquired of, they are the messengers of the churches and the glory of Christ. Wherefore show ye to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a word that appears quite a few times within this passage? I'll just show you a couple of uh, times that it shows up. Verse number, or chapter 8, verse number 1, it says grace of God. We have that word grace. And verse number 6, at the end of it, it says grace. Verse number 7, towards the end of it, it says grace. And verse 9, the beginning of it, it says grace. And with the Lord's help, with this idea, this passage is on giving, and the emphasis behind it is order to give according to grace, I would like to title this Grace Giving. Grace giving. Let's go to the Lord together and let's talk to him now. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you now, I'm just asking that you would help us to be encouraged by your word. That you would show us the Bible and that you would show us exactly what you would have us to do. Lord, I'm asking that there would be a biblical understanding of this passage. I know that sometimes when we mention finances, some people... uh, get a little bit concerned and trying to figure out what exactly it is. Lord, I'm asking that they would have a biblical understanding and they could see exactly what you have in mind and what you plan on doing with it. Lord, I thank you so much. Fill me with your spirit. I need it now. I want only the things to be said that you want to be said and nothing that shouldn't be said. I'm asking that you would give my, I give my heart, my mind, my thoughts, my ambitions, my desires, everything. I lay him at your feet. I reckon myself dead right now. Once again, beg that you fill me with your precious spirit. Get your own work accomplished through your precious word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, before I walk down this passage, we do have to admit that this passage is clearly talking about giving. And as I said a little bit before, that sometimes people don't have an understanding of exactly how the church works and how finances are operated. Now, I want to tell you up front that we have no government backing. The government doesn't give a single cent to this church. We don't have other churches that give to this church. 
This church only survives by the voluntarily, voluntary giving of its members and of the people who love the church. That's how God desired it. In fact, the Bible gives about three levels of giving. The first level is the tithe. It's an Old Testament uh, a principle that was set in the Old Testament and continued in the New Testament. The tithe literally just means the 10%. And what happens is God had originally set it up to operate the tabernacle. That once again, they didn't have government funding. They didn't have taxes. They didn't have anything else. That God had ordered to support the tabernacle and the temple by the people's voluntary giving of 10%. By the way, you could live better off the 90% with God's blessing than what you could with 100% alone. Now, God designed it because that's how the tabernacle was to, to run and function. By the way, that's how we run and function is by the voluntary giving of people. We have to, or we have to pay electricity. Aren't you glad for electricity? Aren't you glad in a blistery day like this you have a nice place to go to and, and, and you have protection from the wind and the heat when we need it and the air conditioning when we need it. By the way, we have to pay for the building. I mean, the banks aren't that nice where they say, here you go, you can go ahead and have the building. We, we have to be honest. We've purchased it. We need to upkeep it. By the way, that has to be taken care of, the upkeep of the building. As much as you like, the building does get old and it falls apart. There has to be repairs. There's things that need to be improved on. And by the way, unless you know something that I don't, Money hasn't grown on trees yet. So the only way that we pay the bills, that we take care of the electricity, we take care of the things that need to be taken care of, is by the voluntary giving of the people, and that's through the tithe. That's the 10%. That's what God says. By the way, no one gives the tithe. You bring the tithe. The tithe is already the Lord's. You're not given a single thing until you reach that 10%. Which brings us to the second level. The second level is offerings. Offerings is above and beyond the tithe. And once again, it's to help this local church, to help with special projects. Maybe someone gives above and beyond to make sure the pastor can get enough money to feed his family, you know, and, and, and get take care of the other things. That's a blessing. You know, sometimes people will give and say, you know, we need to get paint. We need to do something else. That's a blessing that people give above and beyond. The Bible says that's cheerful giving, that we're supposed to give cheerfully. God blesses a cheerful giver. And the third level of giving is what this passage here is dealing with, and it is called grace giving. Some people call it faith promise missions. I call it that from time to time. And basically, the tithe and the offering is made to support and to take care of this local church, of people's voluntary giving. We don't twist people's arms. We don't say, show us your income tax and then send a thing. We don't do a direct deposit or anything people just willingly and voluntarily give it and that's how it should be people should shouldn't be forced to pay taxes to support a church it should be something that they willing and choose to do but above and beyond that we want to support projects outside of the church like missionaries for example if we want a missionary that's going to Uzbekistan a missionary going to Kazakhstan a missionary going to China a missionary going to South Korea or North Korea we, the, how do we supply and how do we take care of those missions projects? This is done by this third level called faith promise missions or grace giving. And if you wouldn't mind, I'm going to take time to go through this passage and I'm going to explain from the text. I'm going to tell you right now, this is not my thoughts. This is not my opinion. 
So if you have an argument, it's with God because this isn't what I say. This is what the Bible says. And so, again, I'm sure no one will have any problems with that, but I'm just trying to say this isn't my opinion. This isn't my good idea that I had and said, woohoo, I'm going to teach something here. I got something no one's heard before. No, I'm teaching you something that's been in practice for 2,000 years, and we just want to get involved with it. Notice with me, as we see this idea of grace giving, I want to show you, first of all, a physical example. A physical example. Notice with me in verse number one. It says, Moreover, brethren, we do to you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Now let's stop here. Whenever we examine the Bible, there's some questions you should ask yourself. First of all, who is talking? Who is talking in this passage? It's the Apostle Paul. Who is he talking to? He's talking to the church of Corinth. The church of Corinth was a fairly big church, and it was a well-to-do church. It had a lot of people within the church that was wealthy, that had a lot of money comparably to the rest of the known world at that time. And he's saying, church of Corinth, I want to give you an example of the churches of Macedonia. I want to brag on them. I want to tell you what they've been doing. Notice as he brings up the churches of Macedonia, verse 2. How then in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty. So what are the churches of Macedonia? In contrast to Corinth, these are churches that are in affliction. They have to pay a price to call themselves a Christian. A lot of times in this place here and where they're at in Macedonia, if you called yourself a Christian, you can lose your job. You could lose your house. You could lose your standing. You might even be disowned by your family. And notice what else. Not only do they have the affliction, but it also said their deep poverty. Their deep poverty. So what type of church is this? This is not a mega church with all kinds of glistening lights. This is a poor church that just loves the Lord and is trying to do the best they can. And notice it said their deep poverty. I'll take a little pause right here. Do you know that if you are in America and you own or your family owns a vehicle, you are on the top 10% of wealth in the world? We are wealthy, spoiled Americans. We are. And do you know that most people would give anything to be a homeless person in America? The guy who's eating from the dumpster at McDonald's is eating better than most of the world. Now, I'm saying all of it's tragic, but we have to understand we're rich, spoiled Americans. And so we would be like the church of Corinth and, and, you know, who's listening to this. And here is a church over here that is in deep poverty. They're under affliction. They have to pay a price. But notice this. They abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. So Paul is saying, you know what? This church was giving uh, to their power. He says, wait, strike that. They were giving beyond their ability. What does that mean? It means when they took their little uh, balance sheets at the end of the month, they said, how does this work out? I meant all the bills got paid, but it doesn't work out on paper. You know, because we have a great God. 
He could do so much to stretch out your budget and to make it work. But he says, these people gave to their ability. Yea, they gave beyond their ability. It, it doesn't make sense how much they're giving. I mean, you should see how poor they are. You should see how, how much affliction they are. And yet they're giving an unreasonable amount, an unbelievable amount for this small little church who loves the Lord. Why? Why could they do this? How could they do this? Verse number four, praying with us much entreaty that we would receive the gift. Now, Paul was like this. Paul was saying, hey, wait, wait, you guys want to give, me, give a gift to go help the missionaries, to go help the, the other churches? Wait, wait, wait. I know how poor you are. I know what the affliction you're going to. No way I could take that. And they're saying, no, Paul, we believe that this is what the Lord would have us to do. Don't make us be disobedient to the Lord. We believe that this is what God wants us to do. Paul, take this and use this for the missions projects. Paul, take this. And, you, and he said, all right, if, that, if you are convinced. Paul wasn't trying to raise money from the churches. They came to him and said, this is what we believe we should do. Notice as it goes on, verse 4, praying with us that much entreaty that we should receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. You know what faith promise uh, missions is, what grace giving is? What you're doing is you're fellowshipping with other churches to help support someone else in the foreign field, to help other churches get started, to help people uh, to come Come to know Jesus as their Savior. Verse 5. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first, what's their secret? Gave of their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Their secret is they gave themselves to the Lord first. You know, when you realize that God owns it all, you have no problems giving. Have you ever seen a... Sometimes churches will have a little bucket or a little special offering and the little kids will go up and the little kid goes up and what do they do? They drop it in and they turn around and they smile. Why can they do that? Because it's not theirs. They have no problems giving away someone else's money, right? <clears throat> When's the last time you saw some little kid? Uh, you know, not a two-year-old or something, but a, a kid that came up there, maybe an eight-year-old and went and said, no, mine, mine. Because they don't think it's theirs. It's someone else's. They're giving away. <clears throat> well, if you've given yourself to the Lord, you give all of yourself. <laughs> includes the wallet. Includes the purse. Includes everything. And you say, God, I give everything to me. My hands are palms up. What does that mean? That your palms are open. God can choose this and this and this or that, or that. It's all His. God, you take what you want. It is yours. Then you have no problems giving because it's not yours. It's God's. <coughs> and they gave themselves to the Lord, and they were convinced that this is what the Lord wanted to do. Notice with me in verse 5 at the end of it. It says, They gave their own selves to the, will, to the Lord and to us by the will of God. These people had prayed on it. They said, Lord, what should I give? Lord, what would you have me to do? And God gave them a number or gave them an amount. And they gave it out of obedience to him saying, God, I trust you. It is amazing what God can do if you're just obedient to him. 
and he could, he could take care of you as well as other people. But this is the physical example. It goes on. It says, insomuch that we desired Titus as he had begun, that he would almost finish in you in the same grace also. <coughs> so, because of what the churches of Macedonia did, Paul sent Titus to Corinth just to go tell him, hey, you know what those churches are doing? Now, he wasn't trying to be mean. He wasn't trying to take the money. You know, the whole idea of giving is not so some guy could get rich off of it. I don't get rich at all. We're just honoring the Lord. But you need God's blessings. You need God's blessings. Someone says, well, I'm going to starve out the preacher or I'm not going to give no more. The church won't collapse. God will take care of his own work, but you need his blessings. <laughs> you need his blessings and God wants to give you the blessings. We just have to be willing. So here we have the physical example. We have an actual example of a church or a group of churches that had surrendered themselves. They were poor. It didn't make sense. But they gave of themselves and gave unto the willing, will of God in order to help these extra projects that were going on. Which brings us to the second thing I want to show you, a divine example. A divine example. Notice with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Notice in verse number 7 now. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 7. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, and in utterance, and knowledge, and in, in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. So Paul is saying, hey, you've told me as a church that you want to do what's right, and you, you want all these other things. He says, I'm trying to give you a hint of how, how you could receive more of this stuff, how you obeyed in these other things, obey in this also. Notice verse 8. I speak not by commandment. He says, I'm not trying to get money from you. I can't order you to give because it's got to be voluntary. But let me tell you, it's expedient. It's good for you. It's healthy. It's profitable for you. I speak not by, occasion, uh, by commandment, by occasion of forwardness of others to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he were rich, he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Here we have a divine example, the best example of all, that Jesus, who was God, left the glories of heaven and robed himself in flesh. When he was born on this earth, he wasn't born in a palace, he wasn't born with a crown. He wasn't born with gold and silver surrounding him. He didn't have a golden baby bed. He was born in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. He was born <coughs> whose, whose stepfather, he was a carpenter. They didn't have a lot of money. They just did enough to survive. He, he gave up all the riches of heaven to be born poor for our sakes. That Jesus lived the same life that you and I lived. He went through the same temptations, the same troubles, and the same heartbreaks. Then Jesus died. He literally gave it all. He gave up his life so you can be rich in what God has given to you. That Jesus died for you. He paid the price. And now if you accept him as Savior, if you accept him to forgive you of all of your sins, you can have all of the glories of heaven heaven you are co 
heirs with Jesus, the Bible says. <coughs> What's more is he did it for free. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Maybe I could give you an example. The Bible says it's a gift. So if I was to give you a gift, I've got this vest on, so I've got to reach in. So if I was to give you a gift, let me do Mr. Josh. If I was to give you a gift and say this is yours, what must you do to make that yours? That's right. Did you have to pay me money for it? Did you have to mow my lawn? You didn't even have to be nice to me. All you had to do was take it, right? Well, the same thing's true about going to heaven. To go to heaven, you don't have to go to church. To go to heaven, you don't have to pay money to the church. To go to heaven, you don't have to help little old ladies cross the street. Now, all those things are good things and things we should do, but those things don't get us to heaven. Heaven is a free gift that Jesus paid for himself. And all we have to do is take it. And he gave himself. Because of his, his life, he was rich, left the glories of heaven and became poor so we could be made rich because of him. And that was his grace. That's what he gave. It was something we didn't deserve, but he gave it anyways. We have this divine example. So first of all, we have a physical example. We have the churches in Macedonia that gave and they gave to support missions and these other projects around the world. When we have a divine example, the example of Jesus Christ, that he gave himself and he gave everything he had to give us eternal life, full, free, and forever. After that, notice you wouldn't mind, a willing example. A willing example. Notice in verse number 10. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you. That's the second time he said expedient. Uh, sorry. <coughs> uh, here he says it's expedient for you. He's saying, here's my advice. I can't command you to give. That's not what I'm here to do. But I'm saying this is profitable. This is going to be good for you. This is something that's going to help you. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who hath begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therein perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so that there may be a performance also out of that which you have. For if there first be a willing mind, it, it is accepted according that a man hath and not according to, to that he hath not. Here we have a willing example. It all starts with a willingness to be obedient to God. It's a willingness to please God. It's a willingness to see more people get saved and, and, and to help the things out. We understand this is going for the purpose of winning people to the Lord, letting more people know how to get to heaven. But if you're not willing, don't give. <laughs> God, Paul's saying, I can't command you to give and I don't want to command you to give. He says, you have to have a willing mind. Is this something that you believe that you should do? Aren't you glad we have a reasonable God? He doesn't twist our arm or force us. He says, if you believe that this is something you should do, then do it. But at least pray on it. I'm giving you information. You do what you think is right. But once you make that decision, keep that decision. It's a horrible thing to say, yeah, God, I listened to this great message and I think I'm going to give. And another six months goes by and you go, hmm, I think there was a message sometime, but I don't remember what it was. You know, it, it doesn't do any good unless you have to make a decision. This is what I should do. 
And this is what we're giving you the information. That's my job. I'm just a messenger. You have to make a decision. What are you going to do with this? What, what does God want you to do? And that's something between you and the Lord that you pray. And then you ask the Lord, what should I do? Which brings me to another thing, a principled example. A principled example. Now, this is, um, this is important, especially in the light of politics right now. Notice with me in verse 11. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it as there was a readiness to will, so that there may be a performance also out of which ye have. For if there be at least uh, first a willing mind, it is accepted according that a man hath, and not according that he hath not. Meaning that God doesn't want you to give a million dollars if you don't have a million dollars, all right? God's a reasonable God. Notice this goes on. For I mean not that in other men be eased, and you be and ye burden, but by an equality and <laughs> that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want and their abundance may be a supply for your want that there may be an equality. As it is written, he that hath gathered much hath nothing over and he that hath gathered little hath no lack. Notice verse 13. This is key here. Here's the principle. For I mean not that other men be eased and you be burdened. This is not preaching socialism. All right. Today, socialism is a big deal in our media. Socialism is a big thing in our country. It's what's being voted on in our next election, whether people realize it or not, this idea of socialism. What is socialism? Socialism has the idea, <coughs> didn't know you were going to get an economics uh, government lesson. Socialism is an economic theory that believes that men are inherently good. And that the reason why we have so much problems is because we have some people who have more than others. And if we can make everyone equal, then all the problems will go away. That's their idea. And uh, so what will happen is that people believe that if you make certain amount of money and you make certain amount of money, if we take some of your money and make you equal, then no one will have any reason to be jealous or envious or fight. Maybe I could give an example. I taught high school for a while. So let's say I was teaching high school history and I said, all right, what we're going to do in our class, class, is that the next test that comes up, what we're going to do is that I'm going to take all the grades and I'm going to average them out and that's what everyone makes. And so you got the people like me who studied and studied and studied because they want that 100 and you got other people in the class who just kind of, eh, Whatever. And so they didn't study. And so what happens, the teacher averages it out and everyone got a B. Well, that makes all the people who usually fail happy, right? Woohoo! This is great. I like this plan. What about the people who studied hard and put work into it? Well, it wasn't worth it to them. They didn't like that at all. Well, what happens now? The next test, I say, we're going to do that again. And what happens? Less people study. And next thing you know, the class average is now a C and everyone gets a C. Well, what about the people who's working really hard for it? They start to say, it's not really worth it. Why, why? I'm carrying everyone's load and I'm not getting anything from it. So the next test, all right, we're going to do the same thing. Now the class average is D because <laughs> less people are studying and less people are trying hard. Why should I do this? And it makes it 
it makes it awkward. The Bible says, I'm not telling you this so some people can be burdened and some people be eased and say, woohoo, I don't have to work. Someone's going to take care of me. That's not what it's saying at all. But what it's saying is that there's an equality because there are times everyone needs help. Everyone needs help from time to time. What happens if there's an emergent bill that comes up? Let's say that someone in the church has a bill that comes up and they're unable to work for a little bit. Don't you think it's reasonable as a church family to be able to help that family? Maybe offer them some meals and take care of them? Isn't that a Christian thing to do? Isn't that a loving thing to do? That's to help them in a time of need. Because what's going to happen? One day you're going to have a need. One day maybe a tire will blow out and you have no money. And someone's able to help take care of it. That's not a social, that's just Christian love. That's just caring for people. That's being aware of one another's burdens and carrying out things. Now, as it concerns to, to grace giving, sometimes there's missionaries who are going out to fields where those people don't have enough money to, to support them. But yet, we want the gospel out. They may not be able to afford Bibles. Do you know that there are some places that a Bible is one month's wage for some people? One month's wage to earn a Bible. Here we got Bibles galore. Do you think a person who was going to come up and say, I'm going to pay a one month's wage or I'm going to use that money for food? What Practicality, don't you think they're going to buy the food? So wouldn't it be a blessing if we were able to provide money to the missionaries for them to get Bibles so they could give Bibles away, so they could read the wonderful truths, so they could go out and tell people about the Lord? We're just trying to use our money wisely and trying to help people come to know Christ as their Savior. And isn't that a wonderful thing to be a part of if we're able to help with that and to help in that matter? So here's the principle here. We're not doing it so people can, can um, be, say, woohoo, I don't have to work for a living. Some people think that you already do that with a preacher, right? He only preaches three times a week and, and he gets all this money. I... Uh, I heard some kids once, you know, their kids are always saying, my daddy's better, my daddy's better. They had uh, some kids that were arguing once, and one of them said, well, you know what? My dad's a doctor, and he does one operation, and he gets paid thousands of dollars. The other one says, oh, yeah? Well, my dad, he's a lawyer. He wins one big case, and he gets hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, the other kid said, didn't want to be showed off. He says, oh, yeah? My dad's a preacher, and after one hour of preaching, it takes six men to carry in all the money. <laughs> it's always funny, the kid's perspective, right? But we're, we're not doing it to try to get rich. We're doing it to try to get the gospel out and trying to tell people about the Lord. By the way, another time out, you don't pay a preacher to preach. You can't give me enough money. What you do is that you supply my needs so that way I am free to follow God's will to go and tell people about the Lord. So I have the freedom to go out. You can't pay me to preach. God told me to preach. I have to obey him whether you pay me or not. You're just allowing me to be able to follow God's will and what he would have me to do. So we have the principled example. 
And then finally, we have a sent example. We have a sent example. Notice verse 16. But thanks be to God, which hath put the same earnest care in the heart of Titus for you. For indeed, he accepted the exhortation, but being more forward of his own accord, he went unto you. And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches that not only but who have also chosen of the churches to travel with us is grace which is administered to us by the glory of the same Lord and declaration of your ready mind avoiding this that no man should blame us in this abundance which is administered by us providing for honest things not only in the sight of the Lord but also in the sight of men and it goes on to talking about confidence what he's talking about here is that there's an accountability. That he's putting people in charge, Titus and another man who's not named, but he is known throughout the churches. He's not named in this passage here. And they're trusted to work together to make sure the finances get from here to here. Now, remember, they don't have banks. They don't have direct deposit. They don't have wireless. They don't have Western Union. So someone actually has to carry the stuff. Now, you remember the old stagecoach uh, westerns and stuff they had to have someone they could trust to get it from there to there you didn't want someone who was going one for you one for me you had to trust the person there had to be accountability and there should be accountability in finances we ask that the missionaries that we give money to they give us an accounting back that they tell us what's going on <coughs> that we're asking that they be wise. There's an accountability. There should be an accountability in our church finances. If anybody asks what our budget is, we're glad to print off a thing and show them our budget. If someone wants to see uh, a summary shape, uh, statement, we try to provide one and have one available. We want people to know where the finances are going and to see how it's being distributed, how it's being used. There should be an accountability. There should be a transparency. No one... No one doing things right is getting rich. I understand that there's some people who are using the name of the Lord to get rich. We're not one of them. <laughs> We're trying to do what the Lord has asked us to do. We're not trying to get your money. We're trying just to be obedient to the Lord and trying to tell as many people about the Lord. Now, again, I know finances make some people uncomfortable, but we have to preach the whole counsel of God for your sake. And what, what do you do with a message like this? What I want you to do is I want you to pray, what can you do, what would God have you to do to help us with our missions? We want to even take on more missionaries to go out in the world. And everyone could do something. Hey, if nothing else, someone can say, I'll give a nickel every month. If that's what you can do, then that's what you can do. Pray about it. I mean, you could, even a kid can find a nickel on the couch cushions or in the car somewhere right if you're working somewhere couldn't you give something to the lord and i encourage you that if you're given something could you do a little bit more now i can't command you it's between you and the lord you need to go to the lord and pray you say god what should i do now if you're not tithing in the first place let me scratch all that and say start there until you're obedient in that, you can't, you can't give anything until you first give. Does that make sense? That's what God wants to do. Let me start even in the beginning. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, forget everything I've said right now. The most important thing that you could have nailed down is that you know for sure the heaven's your home. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know 
that you have eternal life. I'm a scientist by nature. I've worked in the medical career field for many years. I've done a lot of stuff with the science. I consider myself a scientist. And I love that word know, K-N-O-W, to know with the knowledge, to have a surety, to have evidence and proof of that you can know that you know that you know that you have eternal life. If you don't know for sure that your sins are forgiven, if you don't know for sure that you have eternal life, let me tell you that there's good news. The Bible has the answer. And it's just as simple as John 3.16, the most famous Bible verse in all the world. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, that is the greatest message anyone could ever hear. In fact, that is the whole reason why we're talking about money right now is because we want everyone to hear that same truth. I don't care if they're in Zimbabwe. I don't care if they're in Kyrgyzstan. I don't care if they're in Australia. I don't care if it's in the United States. We want everyone to hear John 3, 16. We want them to hear that God loved them so much that he sent his only begotten son and that if those people, no matter where they are or who they are, if they could just believe in Jesus Christ, that he promised them they shall never perish but have everlasting life. Why is this message so important? Because we want to take our place in what God is doing in the world. We want, to take, we want to get on board. We want to be like the churches in Macedonia. That we prayed and that we're an encouragement to other churches. As we're sending out missionaries. We're sending out finances to help people hear the wonderful words of life. What a great God that we have. And this is something that I pray. Especially for the members of the Riverview Baptist Church. What would God have you to do? In this matter, make a decision, then keep that decision. If God would have you to give a certain amount of week, then keep it. If God would have you to give a certain amount of month, do it and keep it. Don't forget about it, but keep it. So that way we can go ahead and take on more missionaries. Nothing is more embarrassing than us not having enough money to pay a missionary. And if we made a commitment, said we're going to take care of you, don't you think we should keep our word? But we can only keep our word as people follow after the Lord. Again, it's not to make them rich and not to make me rich or the church wealthy. The money that comes in, we want to send out to help everyone hear the wonderful truth.